This is Brian Croft. Welcome to another edition of Trench Talk, the podcast of Practical Shepherding. I'm joined, as always, with Jim Sebastio, and we're going to get started here in just a minute. Before we do that, you can go to practicalshepherding.com and go to the contact page there, and you can write us about anything you want to write us about, including giving us podcast topics you'd like for us to tackle. Or if there's a way we could be helpful to you in the ministry, please do that. You can also check out sponsorapastor.org. That's a great way to help support the ministry and to learn more about the ministry. So if we've been a help to you, feel free to go to to that page and you can leave a financial gift. You can learn more about the ministry with the video that's there. Uh, But we'd love to hear from you either way. So thank you for those who have supported us through the years. And, you know, Jim, we want to talk about a, a topic today that that, I don't know, it's not something that gets talked about a lot, but I, I've heard it on a regular basis as pastors are trying to sort through two things. One is, should I go to this church or that church? And two, pastors who've been at a church a long time asking themselves, should I still stay here? And it revolves around this particular question of how, you know, should a pastor try to go to a certain size church based on his gifting? So mm. uh, that's what we want to talk about today. And, and you know, we need to acknowledge pastors, there's a certain qualification, there's certain giftings you have to have to be a pastor, but obviously the giftings of a pastor are different from man mm. to man. So, you know, this is a helpful question to ask or even one to think about is this, how much does this matter? You know, knowing your gifts, first of all, and then saying, will that best serve a church of 50? Will that serve a church of 100? Best serve a church of 250? And, and so this is an important question to think about. And so we want to have this this dialogue, but how, biblically, Jim, just to start there. Like, how do how does a pastor begin to think about one this question? Two, is this really that important? Well, I think it it, it certainly is going to affect the lives of certain uh, people, depending on uh, you know the issue, because some men might feel that they are overwhelmed where they are, and perhaps they have been, let's say, as a man has been called to a church of. 250 and he is overwhelmed with it and believes that his gifts both his public and private gifts and I think you you have to deal with both of these issues public and private gifts or your ability to shepherd you say I I am so overwhelmed shepherding this size congregation Uh, some men thrive in that some men are able to do that and others are going to say I think I need a smaller congregation on the other hand uh, you could have the situation of somebody uh, either believing it themselves or others encouraging him that their gifts are such that this small congregation that he has originally pastored that is is going to be, I hate to use this expression, a bit of a stepping stone to a larger uh, platform. Uh, the, the church at Water Beach that Charles Spurgeon began to pastor when he was a, a teenager recognized that his gifts were eventually going to bring him into a larger setting. Mm-hmm. So biblically speaking, you know, as you start this, I think you, you have to have what Paul talks about in Romans chapter 12, a sober, ses- sober self-assessment. Let no one think of himself more highly than he ought, but let him think soberly according to the gifts that have been given to him. Uh, and Peter addresses in First uh, Peter chapter uh, 4 the uh, reality that according to the manifold grace of God, we have been given gifts, and those gifts are gifts of service, and that we are to utilize those gifts in the best way that we can to uh, steward those gifts in the best way. And so a uh, part of that is recognizing, uh, again, so you put the text together, you have a sober self-assessment of what your gifts are, uh, and that might mean on the one hand, you realize that my gifts require me to be in a, a smaller setting 
or, and this is a harder thing to come to soberly without pride and other things coming in to say that it might be that my gifts uh, would be better served in a larger congregation or in a different kind of a congregation that I'm currently in. Mm. No, that's helpful. And let's go ahead. I want to go ahead and point out now what, what the, we are not talking about, just to kind of get it off the table. And that is, uh, we are not trying to, uh, we're not thinking about a guy who, one, maybe think, has a high view of his preaching gifts, but wants to go to a larger church because he wants to preach, but he doesn't want to shepherd people. Right. And I just want to be on record, and you can push back with me on no, this. No, you're not going to get pushed back I'm going to be on buddy. record. This podcast if you're listening to this, this is not for you. If you want to preach and not shepherd people, please don't go be a pastor. Like find something else to do to preach. But mm. we are not talking about a guy who thinks they have exceptional preaching gifts and does not want to lower himself to have to shepherd other people. We would rather you just go do something else. So we're not talking yeah. to you in regard to this other than maybe wanting to challenge you to rethink what calling actually means in yeah. your life. Around the local church, okay. Want to get? Let's get that off the off yeah. the table. Yeah, and, and because Brian, yeah, there are men who love to preach, or men and maybe even women out there who love to preach, who who love to uh, who want to say that, yeah, this is my gifting, this is my calling, but people aren't my calling. Well, people yeah. are always your calling, and the the only reason that you are well, you preach for the glory of God, preach in the sight of God in Christ. But we preach to edify the saints, to encourage and build up the saints, and to draw sinners to Christ. I mean, that's that's the whole purpose of it. A platform, a a a, a pulpit is not your platform. That's right. Yeah. It's not the place for you to become famous. It's not the place for you to get to be uh, better known and to expand and all of those things. If God does that in His providence because of the gifts He has given to you and people recognize that, and people are drawn to your ministry as a result of that, I hope that they're also drawn as a result of the largeness of your pastoral heart. Yeah, that's right. So I just want to, we want to be on record for that, but here's the more important place this conversation needs to go, and that, I think there's two questions we, I think we should wrestle with. Number one, is this a legitimate thing for someone feeling called a pastor to have to evaluate in their mm-hmm. own life? And then number two, if it is, how does a pastor go about evaluating that. So let me first go to that. that let's, let's both just kind of bat this question around, Jim. The Is this legitimate? You got a guy, you know, you got a member of your church. He's just finished seminary, clear pastoral giftings, want, feels called, and is starting wanting to start looking for churches. Will you advise him based on, I see you gifted in this way, so this is the kind of church you probably should pursue. Would you give that kind of counsel and why? Yeah, well, actually, yes, and and that may uh, manifest itself in, in in ways beyond just uh, the size of a congregation, because you, you have to be very careful there, because a lot of issues can get get uh, wrapped up. Location, in this issue. culture, all that kind yeah, of stuff. Location, yeah. culture. Right. The uh, I, I had a friend who he he just he died recently, but a guy I went to school with. And he was pastoring a church uh, in rural uh, Iowa, a, a town that had literally one light, one traffic light yeah, in it. Yeah. And he was, as, you know, as I understood him, you know, and my interactions with him, he's a fairly simple guy. But he, after seminary training, tried to teach and preach like he was, you know, preaching to scholars in New York City rather than farmers in Iowa. Uh huh. And, and you think, well, maybe this wasn't a good match, you know. Uh, and either you you got to learn to 
recognize who you're preaching to and say, look, look, if, if you view yourself as an intellectual, you view yourself as wanting to do you know, high octane theology, uh, maybe, you know, preaching in a farming community and not, not to denigrate farmers and not to say that they can't be great thinkers. Uh, but you you need to recognize sometimes you're in a, a meat and taters environment and you're trying to do you know French cuisine uh, preaching. I'm glad you brought that up because when I hear you articulate that, my my instinct is not to go to that's about pastoral gifting, but about pastoral discernment intuitiveness. Yeah, yeah right. So again, we we would affirm like the call of a pastor is determined by. The qualifications of 1 Timothy 3 and understanding the call of a pastor, 1 Peter 5, is shepherd the flock of God right. that is among you. So being a pastor, all every pastor is different, different gifts and all those kinds of things. But it almost feels like to me, and you should be thinking about location, culture, you know, what what kind of place, what kind of place in the country you're going to you know, pastor and what that culture is going to be like. But I think in a lot of ways it's about that's part of sorting through your calls. Okay, I didn't imagine going to to preach in rural I, Iowa, but that's where I'm feeling led to go. And so if I am, even though I maybe grew up in New York City, mm-hmm. I I need to part of my call is how do I need to think through how I need to approach preaching and ministering in this environment, right. even though it may not be what I thought, it right. may not be where I'm coming from, but that's part of me sorting through the call. And me learning on how to maybe do ministry in a place like that, because that's yeah. where God wants me to to be. Yeah. So uh, I do think this is that is certainly a valid part of, of thinking through. So this. that's one thing I would think through, and you know, so getting to the issue of of size, uh, and yeah. you know, so that you may have to ask one of these questions. You're going to ask is, uh, do you want to be in full time ministry? And that is where this is your soul calling. And so the size of the congregation is going to affect that. How so? Uh, well, because a congregation may not be able to afford right. somebody full-time. Yeah, so sure. so if when I came to Louisville, uh, I we had a, a congregation. Outside of my wife and myself, we had 10 people. Uh, our church took in $9,000 that first mm-hmm. year. That was the tithes and offerings of that congregation. They're generous people, but that was it. It was, uh, And we had four... Men uh, that were workers, one was in the Army uh, and deployed, and uh, three of the other guys worked at the same, uh, you know, what I think you probably call a blue-collar environment, but all worked at the same place uh, in utilities. And, you know, so when I came here, I, I was not coming here with the thought of, well, I'm going to, I came here with a, a bivocational mindset. You know, if I'm, if I'm going to be here and live here, I'm going to have to work. Uh, in order to yeah. uh, provide enough money to, to live and eat and, and all that good stuff. So you have to be willing. You know, if you're, if, Are you willing to do that? Are you able to do that? Mm-hmm. Uh, some guys are not willing to do that. In fact, yeah. I mean, I, I have heard recently of guys, you know, coming out of seminary and coming into a church with, you know, n- not just with a, a humble recognition of this is what I think we could live on, but almost with demands that you know, I'm going to get paid a hundred thousand dollars a year. You know, wherever I go, I'm going to find a place. Or I won't go. Or I won't go. Guys like that, oh, I question uh, a lot of things. Well, let me turn this on. Let me turn it onto your situation here. So you, you know, you now have. So you started. With, you started with nine people and mm-hmm. brought in nine, ten, yeah, right, ten people. Yeah. Brought in nine thousand dollars. Up, you know, thirty plus years later. You have what, 150 members? 127. Okay, currently. but 
two hundred plus would come probably on a Sunday morning now about at the that, church. Yeah. About yep. right. Okay. Yep. So you pastor a vastly different church than you planted over thirty Correct. years ago. So how have you sorted through this issue that the church you started and the people you had, or even when the church grew to forty or fifty, and but now it's it's a different place. Have you wrestled with, you know, is is this about me knowing the fit or do I need to pivot in how I do ministry because I have so many more people that I'm a part of? How did you think through that? Well, we grew so gradually in a sense that it was, it, it just kind of became natural and organic to, yeah. to try to just expand your heart. I mean, at some point, I mean, you, if you, if, if you're pastor, if I were pastoring by myself, the congregation, the size, which I'm sure for some people listening, it's, it depends. Some people may hear it and go, wow, that's, that's a fairly large church, yeah. you know, relatively speaking. And others would say, that's a really small church. It just you know, depends on your point of view. But as one man said, you know, come the day of judgment, you'll think you had enough members. Yeah, you know, right. when you yeah. come to time to give an account, it, it, it's, a, it's yeah, more John, than enough. John Brown. Yeah, yeah John yeah, Brown. Yeah, so yeah. it's more than enough. So wh- however many you have is more than enough. All right. I feel overwhelmed at times with the amount of need we yeah, have currently, yeah, yeah. Okay. and that's with four elders uh, that we feel at times we are. You're so busy putting out fires and whatnot that sometimes you're you're not able to engage in healthier sheep and, yep. and build those relationships and give the kind of encouragement you want. So uh, my, you know, so public gifting is is you know that that stays in a sense it's it's constant. That is, I'm gonna I'm gonna give the same amount of time and effort. Whether I'm preaching to ten people or two, three hundred people, sure, uh, yeah, that's right. That's not going to change. But my ability to shepherd well and to love well and to know well, and I've never had so often where I feel like I don't know some of my members as well as I would like. Yeah. That that's that felt very different at ten than at sixty. That felt manageable. Seventy, eighty, ninety, a hundred. Yeah. Uh, and, and even the whole idea of being able to show hospitality and have people over, do I have the, to use the expression, the bandwidth to mm-hmm. be able to love well? Because I want to, I know I have three other elders, all of us are shepherding. And sometimes, you know, Derek or John or Charlie are shepherding people, some people more than I am. But I, I still feel those are my sheep. They're my sheep too. And though Derek may be building a relationship with them, I still want to know them and love them. Mm-hmm. And it's distressing to me sometimes to, to sit across from somebody and realize I know very little about you. Yeah. And I, I, like I've, I said to some people sometimes, honestly, I couldn't pass a quiz on you. You mm-hmm. know, And that's the expression I've used. And, and I, I'm not comfortable with that. Help yeah. me to get to know you better. You know, that sort of a thing. So, uh, you know, so that's a matter. Some men... Some men may have the ability to do that, to easily be able to to shepherd 100, 200 people uh, in a way that I don't, I just don't feel, and you know, some of it's it's age or whatever it is, you know, uh, I just don't feel like I have, I don't have the time and the ability uh, yeah. to be able to do that like I would like to. So sometimes the idea of a smaller church, even though it's a relatively small church by many people's standards, Sometimes is appealing because I really want to shepherd well. well. You have captured well why we. I get asked this quite often, and that is, you know, when we have sh- convictions to shepherd, and a pastor feels the weight of, you know, giving an account for the souls under care. Yeah. You know, Hebrews thirteen seventeen. Then when you keep adding to that number, yeah. you know, do you keep trying to shepherd the same way, or do you have to kind of change the way you do it? Or do you have to then bring others into it maybe when you're right. doing it? Those are some of the pivots, I think, that we, we would acknowledge need to take place when a church grows like yours has yeah. over the course of you know, a long period of time. 
But and I think that's I get that question quite a bit with guys who are who are wrestling through not just where should I go and what's a good fit, but when the church changes. So let me give you a couple of scenarios that we talked about, but let's let's comment on them. You and I both have a mutual friend who's has exceptional preaching gifts. Mm-hmm. Like one we would both agree one of the most gifted preachers mm-hmm. we know. Right. Preaches to thirty people every week. Yeah. And we've talked about in the past like it just and just entertaining this idea is should he be preaching to 500 people because right. of his exceptional preaching gifts? By the way, this guy and is the not, opportunities have come to be able to have. preach to three or four hundred. And, and he said no because no, he's right. like, this is my flock. So he's not at all pretentiously thinking that's what he should do. However, we're asking the question because I think it's a fair question, especially with somebody who's got recognized, you know, exceptional preaching gifts. Should he be preaching to more people? Is that the best way to steward those gifts? I mean, he if he was sitting there, he'd say, no, that's why he's still pastoring a church of 30 people. Do you think that's a legitimate question to be asking, Jim? I think it's, it's, I, this is how I would phrase it. It's a more legitimate question for somebody to ask him than for him to ask himself. Well, okay, fair, yes. Do you fair know what enough. I mean by that? I, I think a guy who's sitting there going, man, I'm preaching to 40 people. I should be preaching to 500. <laughs> I'd have real problems with that other than, than if somebody comes to him and say, brother... I've come. I I I am amazed coming to hear you preach. Now, another pastor that both of us have met. Well, I know him well. You you have met him. Um, I guess I can say his name. Uh, Al Martin, Albert and Martin. Um, there are there are people who regarded have regarded Al Martin. Some people may not know who he is. Yeah. He's one of the most gifted preachers of the 20th century. Right. Yeah. One yeah. of the most powerful gifted preachers of the 20th century. Yep. Uh, in the 60s, late 60s, early 70s, um, as his name was getting known, he's speaking at certain conferences. And again, this is a whole different, it's a whole different era, guys, you know. Um, this isn't the days of T4G and, you know, the, but but like, you know, the the Banner of Truth conference or those sorts of things in the, in the reformed, the growing reformed world at the time. And they had people coming, and they would visit his church, and maybe at that time there were 150 people at the church, and they, they, they couldn't believe that that gift was preaching to 150 people. Yeah. Yeah. That, and, and some opportunities came up where you could go to 500, 600, 700, 1,000 people, that that would be more fitting for that kind of gift. You know, that like, like, like you say somebody, they're singing, like Adele singing at a... Um, at a bar with 15 people at it. No, you ought to be filling a stadium yeah. with, with thousands. And, and so some people look at a gift and they say, but for him, that never turned his head. He felt, I know, I was called by Christ to pastor this people. And I'll add to what you're saying, too, that just continues to add to the point you're making. Like in the in the 80s, before the Young Restless Reform Movement began, mm-hmm. The, the old school kind of re- reformed tribe, for those who are remotely interested in knowing what about this, there were two main guys who back then it was a cassette tape sermon ministry, yeah. but the two most highly distributed reformed sermon preaching sermons uh, was John MacArthur and Al Martin. Right. Those were the two main guys. MacArthur, by that grace, yeah. had grown to be thousands. Al Martin was, like you said, pastor in every 150 people. But his sermons 
were widely distributed right. through that tape ministry, which just adds to your point on why so many people were coming to him and saying, shouldn't you be I preaching? I can't believe what? your church is so small. Now, it, it eventually grew to you know, 500, 600 people, were, yeah. whatever it was, four, 400 to 600 people were attending. Yeah. Uh, it, it grew, but it didn't grow. It wasn't, it wasn't 6,000. It wasn't 7,000 or 10,000 or anything like that. I would agree with you in that it's, it's a conversation to be had just because we, we don't know ultimately how God would answer this with each individual person. But to your point, yeah, it's, it, it would certainly be something for that person to come to realize based on the, the people coming to him. And even so, like it was with Al Martin and even this friend we're talking about, that yeah. they still hasn't led them to feel like God's calling them away to go somewhere else. So it's something that needs to be talked about. But I think we have to be careful with you know ultimately what the implication is. I still think it needs to be about the, the the calling and the sense of calling that that individual person feels. And again, the conviction to shepherd doesn't ch- shouldn't change in the midst yeah. of that. And so if you go from 30 to a church of, of 500, you almost have to have an entirely different approach to shepherding the flock sure. than you, you do in that. Here's another scenario I want to throw out. Uh, so we have a, we also have another friend, pastor, mutual friend of ours, pastor. He planted a church you know, around 10 years ago. Uh, with you know a handful of people, and the church has continued to grow just steadily over those ten years. Mm-hmm. Well, what this guy is most known for and most gifted for, and I think he would even know this is he was not he wouldn't even say his preaching ministry. He would say his discipleship, his ability to disciple people, mm. and shep- and his commitment to shepherd mm-hmm. the flock. And he has done a remarkable, faithful job at it. Well, you know he's got hundred plus people now that it, that that's grown in the church. And he has shared with me, you know, just the challenge that you articulate. It's like I, I, I feel overwhelmed trying to do all this with right. so many people. And he's just he's even asked me the question: Do I need to change how I do this, or is this just the way it is? Or and but he's wrestling with the same kind of of ideas of you know. So do we pivot in the shepherding gym, or do we just keep grinding away, doing the best we can, realizing we can't t- can't take a quiz on everybody, as you said, and and, and pass. It's tough, Brian. You know, and I, I and you know, I'm hearing some of the rumblings of it even in my own congregations, and as the people feel like neglected in a way, and it's like I am trying to get to everybody I can. And stop uh, doing uh, so uh, many podcasts. Stop doing so many Brian, podcasts, and well, then st- or or going to preach somewhere else. You <laughs> right, know, that, right, that's right. sort of the thing. And, and, and this doesn't just, take a lot of time, by the way. We need to be on a, record. <laughs> it's, well, come on, Brian. You know this. Our five minutes. Our five minutes of prep. Hey, 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 we don't give away the secrets. <laughs> the, the secret sauce. That's right. That's right. There is no secret sauce. That's the secret <laughs> sauce. You know, but um, you know, we we are um, you know th- just that recognition of like, well, hey, I was here ten years ago, and if I had a lot more of your time than yeah. than I do now, don't you think the and, 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 and so you so anyway, I'm just saying that you, so you sometimes you have to the. You say, well, you do have three other elders, but sometimes people have a special attachment to you, particularly if you're the you, you do most of the preaching and you've been there the long, you know. So, uh, you know, you have that long-standing relationship, and mm-hmm. so sometimes you have to manage people's hurts or people's expectations versus what is trying to have a sober view of reality and a sober view of your calling, and. So there's a lot of different things that go into that, you know. You but you have to try to make yourself as available as you can, but but realize and recognize. Like so, for right now, you know, with with whatever it is. So let's say there's eighty families, eighty ninety families in the church that um, that on the days when the, back when there was 
five families, you know, 10 people in five families, well, you could have, you could have hospitality with them. You could do it, you know, five times a year. But now if I try to have, uh, if I try to have somebody over two, three families over, uh, in a month, you're looking at two, three years to get through everybody. And then there's new people coming in and you want to get to know them and, and all of the rest. So you can feel stretched. So I think that's one, you know, I don't want to go too far from what our, our conversation is, but you yeah. know, the question comes, you know, do I do, do, do the limitations of my gift, this is counterintuitive discussion, call me to want to be, you know, to do something smaller yeah. or do I have to recognize and realize, well, there's only so much of me, there's the same amount of me as there was 10 years ago. Of course, now there's more mileage and more years and health concerns and other things on top of that. But the, but the need has grown and the congregation's grown. And, and have you, because you're the same, well, you know, you know are, are you able to do this? And the, yeah. so that's, that's, that's a hard question to, yeah. to ask sometimes. And so maybe I know some are saying, I think some would say, well, should I go to a larger church because my gifts are such that I feel, I feel stifled here or I feel like I'm sitting on my hands or I've got so much energy. You know, we talked about this one guy that you mentioned who's pastoring this church. Well, he also writes, I don't know how many books this guy's written, written because, you know, to take care of that flock does not take as much time as taking care of a flock of of 200 or 300 people. Well, and, and so you have true. time and it doesn't take as much time for him to prepare because he's got a brilliant mind. And so what am I going to do with my time? And mm. so the, so guys like that might say, well, I'm going to, I'm going to invest in ministerial training. I'm going to, I'm going to travel. I'm going to write books. I'm going to, I have to do something to keep myself busy. So there may be some guys whose gifts are such that you know, they're really struggling with the management of their time, not how am I going to fit everything in, but how do I fill my hours? Yeah. Yeah, I don't know if you, that's a whole yep. other maybe a whole other so, discussion. Yeah, I want to kind of turn though to just okay. So, how does how do guys think through what what to do with this? And I want to, I want to just give a couple pieces of of, of advice around this. Um, one, I think the general rule is don't leave your church over this is, these issues. Mm. Like it needs to be about more than that. It needs to be yeah. more about just sorting through calling is if you finished what God's called you to in that place. But so I want to give two pieces of advice around this. Number one. Um, and I'm, I'm referring to the guy that, that the church grew steadily for 10, 20 years, and now I've got double the people. Similar to what you're in. Number one, uh, pastor smarter, not harder. So hopefully, mm-hmm. you know, one of the things I've, I've known you a long time to be able to say this, you know, I've watched you, uh, you know, learn how to pastor smarter as you've gotten older. And part of that is you have these longstanding, deeply embedded relationships that you don't have to work as hard to keep those relationships mm-hmm. solid. I think that's pastoring smarter, not harder, mm-hmm. and realizing yeah. that's established. So I do think that there is a way to learn how to pastor smarter, not harder. And I think that comes in later years. And if you've been at church 10, 15, 20 years, I think there's a way to, to be able to do that. The second piece of advice around this, I would say, is I do believe it's legit to, because uh, you said it, you're one person, you have, you have limited capacity, adding shepherds to the church can help solve this problem. Yes. And that's what I would say the number one thing I probably I did that that helped me pivot as we went from, you know, 30 when I got there to, you know, 70, 75, 80, uh, you know, pushing 100 at times. We never got over 100 in my entire time pastoring the church, but that's still double, you know, almost triple the people I started yeah, with. Sure. So what I found is is we 
uh, we would add, we added elders to our church. You know, qualified people who are right. clearly knew their understood their role as to shepherd with me, even if they were a, a, a lay elder that uh, only had you know a few hours to give in a week. They helped right. in the shepherding task. I remember when it was so hard. I remember when I finally relinquished the you know the control of doing every membership interview in the church because mm. I loved it so much. Like I didn't want to give it away. I wanted to be able to sit and hear everybody's testimonies and right. and go through that process. I remember when these guys had to say to me, "You you got to you got to let us do some of this stuff." And that was hard, but that was that was a tangible, I would say, a pivot to allow the church to grow and to to continue to hopefully try to shepherd. So yeah, people want you because they knew you. Then people wanted me because they maybe you know right. connected me in that way. But I I want to stress that I think that is one of the main places. My friend who's asked me this, you know, how, how, he's, how do I disciple and shepherd this church? I'm starting to feel overwhelmed because there's this many. Yeah, you actually have to raise up other people like you to help you mm-hmm. with it. And I think that's true for deacon ministry right. as well. As the church grows, you know, you hopefully, you know, hopefully you have others to be able to help with the work. So I think that is that is a much more legitimate solution to the person who's feeling this pressure of you know, should, is this about my gifts, and I just need to go find a, a, a church that fits it better? No, I think you know, pivot where you are in wise ways. Pastor smarter, not harder. And I think unless your church goes from fifty to like five hundred, I think you can make those adjustments. But I, I will say this: having said all of that, I had no desire, and still don't, to ever want to pastor a church of five hundred people. Mm-hmm. Like I've always been mesmerized by the guys who want like like a bigger church and <laughs> and they seek it out and want it. Yeah. And because I would just remember thinking to myself like I like I'm not sure I'd sleep at night because I don't think I can adequately shepherd the way I want to shepherd people with that many. Well, people. that's the difference, Brian. Again, you, the way you want to shepherd people, I think what happens is that you and and, and there's a legitimacy legitimacy in saying that a primary part of our shepherding is preaching. And so as right. long as I'm preaching and feeding the congregation, I'm shepherding them. I may not know who they are, but I'm shepherding them. You, yeah. may, you, you may feel that. I think you, know, you and I feel a, a responsibility to, you know, to, to know those, you know, like, well, I think what Jesus talks about is what shepherds, shepherds know their flock. Yeah. And, and, we're, we, we, and can you, and it's a whole other question, you know, <laughs> does anybody have the ability at least by themselves to really shepherd a congregation that size sure, in, sure. in regard to really, sh- yeah, you can teach and preach, um, uh, but can you really pastor them? And so sometimes, again, it gets down to, well, he's our preacher, he's not our pastor kind of a thing. Which, by the way, I want to acknowledge, it can, I think it can be done. What it can't, what can't happen is it cannot be done by one pastor. Exactly. Right. The, shep- the, the sheep can be shepherded. Yeah. If, as long as we have a, a plurality right. of pastors. You, you cannot do that yourself. But again, as I said, sometimes the problem is you. You, I want to know everybody. I, I don't. I'm not. I'm not content to saying that my other elders know them and I don't. So, and but I may have to adjust on that. Talk about pastoring smarter. It may just have to be the realization that within the eldership, there's going to be different relationships yeah. there. So here's my final here's my final word on this as we wrap is that. Uh, so I, I we've kind of cautioned guys from saying, "Hey, I'm gifted this way. It'll fit better in another church." And especially when it's talking about how many people are here or maybe the cultural context. Having said all that, I do want to acknowledge that I do believe that God does work in our lives by, you know, maybe changing things in our life or the desires 
or maybe shift us in how we're maybe more gifted now than we were in other ways, that God uses that to help move us to another ministry post. And, mm-hmm. and I do think that that does happen. Yeah. And I, but, but I think what we've tried to emphasize here is this is not about a formula of you know, you're strong in preaching. You're bad at shepherding, so go find a big church. Or you're a great shepherd, but you can't preach well, so make sure you pastor a small church. That's not at all what we're, what we're saying. Yeah. But but I want to emphasize there are numerous things to evaluate on whether a pastor should either leave to go to another church or leave to do another ministry or just leave the ministry altogether. And so we, we just want to emphasize that, you know, have conversations with trusted people who know you, know how you're gifted, and can actually help you think through some of these decisions when it when it needs to be based on that and ultimately what God may be calling you to do. A lot of guys want to presume what their gifts are on their own, but or they're making decisions out of out of impatience and blaming it on, you know, I just I'm not a I'm just not a fit here. It's like okay, well what what is a fit in this place? I mean, mm-hmm. so I think it it that's really what we want to be able to emphasize. Any final word on this topic, Jim? No, I I just want to emphasize what you said, Brian, because that's part of the you know there is a command to think sober mindedly about yourself. Not and what he says, interestingly, Paul says in Romans twelve is not more highly of yourself than you ought. Right. Obviously, right. for some, you may not have to, may have to be encouraged not to think more lowly of yourself right. than you yep. ought, but to think soberly and to consider the gifts that the Lord has given to you. Others can help you, you know, with that. Uh, Consider your calling and, and ask yourself, you know, is my call to this congregation, how do I view it? Is this congregation a stepping stone to me, or, or are they the dear sheep that I have committed myself to? And, mm-hmm. and, and, and it may not mean that you—it may mean you, you move on from there, but I think you want to move on from there with the acknowledgement and the blessing of your church who, who are, would, with open hands, give you as a gift, you know, somewhere else and not just yeah. resent, well— we're too we're too little for him, you know. He liked me when you know uh, when we were small, uh, yeah. when he was small in his own eyes. But once he got big, uh, it was too much for him. So that, I think we need to be just wise and careful, prayerful, and seeking counsel. Yeah, that's good. We take a minute and, and pray. Sure, for pastors wrestling with this. Father, we do uh, just pray you'd give help and aid. Uh, many of your servants wrestle, struggle with a sense of themselves, with a sense of of uh, of their calling. Many feel uh, overwhelmed. Some feel like failures. Uh, Others, Lord, are dissatisfied and wondering if there's not something more for them. Father, wherever your servants are, we do pray you would draw near to them, give them help, give them strength, bring counselors, wise counselors around them, help them, Lord, to wait on you, lean on you with uh, uh, trust not in their own heart, not in their own understanding, acknowledge you in all their ways, and trust that you'll make their path straight. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.